0: As-salamu and welcome back to the Muslim-centric podcast where we hope to educate, inspire and entertain on issues relevant to Muslim life and I am your host Aman. Our next three episodes are from a series called Crisis of Faith with Sheikh Amir Jamil where we explore issues which may lead Muslims to doubt their faith in God and religion. We consider what role life experiences play and how these can be reconciled with Islamic teachings. A report by Yaqeen Institute in 2016 identifies three main themes causing doubt and disillusionment in Islam. One is moral and social concerns. Two is philosophical and scientific concerns. And thirdly is personal trauma. And I've posted a link to this report in the show notes. In this series we'll cover three main topics. The first is struggling with homosexuality and faith which is this episode second episode is Why Does God Allow Suffering? And the third asks the question, Why is Islam so unfair to women? This series was originally broadcast in Ramadan 2018 on Radio Ramadan Glasgow and you can check out their website at www.rr365.co.uk These episodes were recorded usually around midnight and in Glasgow Suhoor was around 1.30 to 2am so sometimes you'll hear us eating during the show just uh, in preparation for sahur. so apologies for that and the first episode is not the greatest quality but it's a really important topic so I thought I would share that with you anyway. Also at the end of the first couple of episodes is an addendum which we covered in the following week and I've just added that onto this episode so that the same topic is discussed together. The shows are hosted by myself, uh, Aman and my co-host Abdul Wadud. And we're really grateful to our resident Scottish-born Islamic scholar, Sheikh Amr Jamil, of the iSyllabus Programme and Unity Family Services. And again, I've given his details in the show episode notes uh, if you need to find out more about him. Remember to support the podcast. You can rate, review, like and share wherever you get your podcast from as it helps other people find the podcast. You can also subscribe to our YouTube channel where hopefully we'll be releasing more online content And also remember to keep in touch on social media and please do get in touch if you are benefiting from the show. So until next time, As-salamu Bismillah ar-Rahman rahim alaykum And you're listening to Radio Ramadan 87.7 FM And uh, tonight's show is Crisis of Faith So every Sunday morning uh, Which is late night, Saturday night We've um, got a special show um, With myself, Aman Durrani And we've got my co-presenter, Abdul Wadud As-salamu alaykum Wa alaykum as how are you doing? Good,
1: Alhamdulillah. How's the
0: fast going for you? Alhamdulillah, good
1: uh, Today was a bit tougher Because of the, the lovely weather Absolutely, uh, Alhamdulillah, yeah, can't, can't complain can't
0: Better complain. than expected So yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, we're very fortunate actually We've got um, Sheikh Amr Jamil joining us uh, every uh, week And we're going to talk about quite an interesting... Um, topic because if you remember from last year if you tuned in we did this series of shows called cradle to the grave and the idea was that it was talking about many personal issues that were affecting us um as muslims in our day-to-day life and one of the big issues that um i think is facing many of us as muslims and as a religion is people that become disillusioned with their faith And start to have have doubts And I think this is a very real thing That we thought would be really important to discuss Because either sometimes people will feel that You know, this thing doesn't exist And we shouldn't discuss these sort of issues But although I think we felt it was really important Certainly, you know, it fits into a wider context Where the whole... Aspect of faith in wider society is being questioned all the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, people are very much, you know, people like Richard Dawkins, people like Sam Harris talk about this whole idea of all faiths have, you know, are problematic fundamentally, never mind Islam, but sometimes mm-hmm. they focus on Islam. And so I, I think it's it's becoming more of, more of an issue for us as a community, but also looking ahead for the next 10 to 20 years as well.
1: Yeah, yeah, there's a lot of... Uh... Cultural norms that have been the well that have been challenged, particularly right now, especially well. I am from the academic arena, I guess, and seeing a lot of what would be considered completely uh, out of character of like the traditional kind of societal norms. Now we're getting challenges on all fronts, from you know from the whole gender identity side of things, right through to You know, even how the family is seen. So yeah, you're definitely right. We've got, it's we're living in very different times. Yeah, and I think it's
0: certainly part of somebody's um, process of uh, you know if they're young in terms, particularly around their adolescence and teenage years, they ask a lot of questions, try to work out their identity. But also later on in life, I think people have had bad experiences with you know growing up as as uh, you know with with Islam or have very negative associations with their religion, and they can start to doubt um or wonder why they're doing things is it and is it just for culture and I guess it links in very much that Islam encourages you to debate and to consider yeah. and not just blindly follow Um so at this point, I think I'd perhaps like to formally invite Sheikh Amr and welcome him. Asalaamu Alaikum, Sheikh. Asalaamu Alaikum. So thank you once again for spending, uh, or making time for us to, um, come on the radio. I know Ramadan's, uh, a bit of downtime for you normally in Uh terms of getting away from quite a hectic schedule for you. (laughs) Supposed to be. Um, But we really appreciate it and most of you will know Sheikh Amr who's very active in the community. He's um, one of the founders of the iSyllabus program but also is involved with Unity Family Services and very much has his finger on the pulse in terms of social issues and community issues and I know that this is an an ongoing debate, and Sheikh, I think it's fair to say you're probably facing more and more of these inquiries of people that have doubts about their faith, or they have relatives or family members that start to question their faith as well
2: Yes, not just myself um, it's obviously I'm in touch with other scholars um, well, I mean, it's interesting what you, won't, you wouldn't expect it but with all the, the trouble that's happened, obviously in, re- in recent years in Egypt um there 's been a lot more people having uh so this is not like a a problem just happening for us as minorities in not in on Muslim countries, but even in Muslim countries majority Muslim countries countries like egypt um, countries like Saudi Arabia. Uh, there has been a lot um, more of this kind of issue happening in those societies as well. And um, with with people eventually even leaving Islam as well. So it's not just a problem which um, I'm having with, say, um, scholars in the West. I'm having these same discussions with scholars in the East as well. And has it always
0: been part of, you know, historically a process isn't okay for people to question, you know, ask them of these fundamental questions about God, about belief, about Islam, uh, you know, and, and following, you know, they're following as Muslims. Is this quite a new contemporary issue, do you think? I think, I mean, if you look historically,
2: Muslim scholars used to, used to debate uh, amongst themselves, used to debate with um, people of other faiths, and they used to debate with, like, um, you could say the atheists, like the philosophers they were called at that time. I mean, if you look at um, what's called Hujjatul Islam, the proof of Islam, uh, uh, Abu Hamad the Ghazali is famous for taking on the philosophers of his time. So they did critically engage. I mean, one of the reasons they started to study our study in logic was because that's what um, the other side was using as in terms of argument. So they would use the, they would use um, that knowledge and then um, basically frame it in um, a Muslim discourse as a, as a rebuttal. So this is, I think this has been going on throughout um, history. Um, But I think like you're saying, because of the current climate, um, you know, religion's not cool anymore. Um, religion's not the and religion's not the great thing. I mean, one of the things I was, I was just um, contemplating. Just if you drive about, um, uh, and you go from I was in I was in Arden a couple of weeks ago, and nearly every town I'd go to, I'd see a church. And this is a thing that the church or the mosques in our our faith, it was like the the cornerstone of the community. And these are massive like churches. And even now here, you know, when I'm driving, sometimes I'll see a church and then. Uh, maybe within, within like, um, definitely within a mile, I'll see another church. So this used to be, um, part and parcel of society, that this was, you know, uh, religion was a, a major force. Now it's, the tide is, is changing, especially, um, we've seen it more in other faiths, like the Christian, Christian faiths with churches closing down, congregation numbers falling, um, with the Muslim, Muslim community has not been as, Apparent, but definitely there is uh, with the onset of modernism of, like you said, the kind of uh, aggressive uh, new atheist kind of movement by Dawkins and so on, um, and then also um, just the, the the fact that in society God's being questioned um, is a godless society in a sense. I remember stats years ago they were talking about I think fifty five percent. Believed in some sort of faith, but they said that this would um, very soon, within the next ten years, it, it would be the it would be the opposite. So, fifty-five percent would be atheists or don't believe in, in an organised religion or something. So, it's definitely you could see the tide was going to to turn. So, because it's because it's, it is um, debated a lot, it's is is um, it's, it's questioned all the time. Um, religion is ridiculed as well. If you look at comedians, they they make no qualms about ridiculing Jesus or or religion or faith. So because you're in that environment, and like you're saying that even in Muslim countries, it's happening, is because. Muslim countries are no longer isolated It's a global culture. They're all on the on all on the internet. So what affects people here generally will affect um, people globally. And if you go now to Muslim countries, you see the effects of globalization. You see the same culture which you're used to here over there, maybe slightly different. But that's I think that's the age we're living in now. Um, so obviously with the um, new questions, um, people sometimes don't know don't get the answers that they. They were looking for um, the conform when they're, they're young, but when they go to university, they're uh, up against new ideas. If they don't have a framework and if they don't have answers, it's very easy for their, their religion to become very shaky. And I think this is where, um, so for example, for, for, from our perspective with I syllabus, we've been working very hard in the last six years of, of making a curriculum for 11 to 16 year olds. And I believe that is so critical. That should, that's one of the highest priorities because that age group are the group that are going to start coming across new ideas. And if you can have uh, a good f- a f- curriculum for them, I leave that. I'm sorry. It's not going to do it anymore. Mm-hmm. Do you understand? So they're going to come ac- across um, critical questions. And if they can get answers at that age, that can safeguard them. I was in Hajj and a brother came up to me. I said, Sheikh, yeah, I want some advice. I obviously, got to know me. I said, okay, what is it? He goes up, my son's 17 years old, and he's saying, I don't know if I believe in God anymore. I don't know what to do. So the problem is that if, if we don't have, if we don't disseminate education in our community, the father doesn't know what to do. He doesn't know how to engage with his son. He doesn't know where to go. And this is where all the, the, the problems are arising now. And it's only when that problem happens, and it's 17 years old, he's going to come and speak to someone like me. Whereas, if say we'd say, I'm just saying, I'm not saying it would have happened, but say he'd been through like something like isolates for schools from 11 to 16, would he have the same issues? Well, he might have had some questions, but he'd have somebody to go and speak to mm-hmm. and he'd have some framework. But this Arif Bata education that we're giving our kids is definitely not going to prepare them for the, the modern world. And um, we can only expect to see a rise in these kind of issues.
0: And it's really interesting is, um, I'm aware of a case where um, There's a young person who basically goes to Like, uh, you know, madrasa, Islamic school type things. You know, three, four times a week And, you know, you start to have these questions about Why am I praying? Why do I need to pray? And he, he was asking the teacher and after a while, the teacher got fed up in this uh, in Glasgow, and, and the teacher said, "Look, these questions you have in your head are like whispers of the shaitan, and so you just do it and actually, you know when when I spoke to him, you know I spent a long period saying actually." You know, it's, you know, spent most of the time talking about it. it's okay to have these questions, it's okay to ask, okay to understand. Cause in this society, you know, and when you're growing up and actually adolescence, such a key stage that you should, you know, you are trying to work out what's going on and, and, and you know, you got a lot of questions. And unless you have an avenue to start exploring that, you're going to just say, okay, this is not for me or I can't fit into this. And we talk about so much about, How Muslim numbers are increasing, the more Muslim converts, but we don't talk about how many Muslims are leaving as well, you know, and I think that's a big issue. Um, It's interesting because, so I guess we're trying to talk a bit about the wider framework of this issue about a crisis of faith, we've called it, and exploring this. And there's some research done and some articles about. They've they've tried to break down some of the topics and the themes of why people have doubts about the religion.
1: Yeah, yeah. yeah. So that's uh, that was done by the Yekin Institute for Islamic research, and primarily that was based on American Muslims. And what they basically found was you could split those kind of issues that presented problems for people of faith, specifically for for Muslims in America, as in three kind of categories so we had like kind of moral and social concerns so that's like moral and social norms ethical norms and um, our topic today is about homosexuality so that probably be captured in this idea of social norms um, and the second category was much more pertaining to things like the- of a theological nature so philosophy um, whether god exists um, questions about how scientific knowledge and science itself can be reconciled, or reconciled with uh, with faith and belief in a god. And uh, finally, the the kind of the quite a quite a difficult one, as I'm sure you're aware of as well in your in your profession, is that, is that of personal trauma. This idea of acute and chronic, you know, acute issues that somebody might face, like the death of a of, of a close loved one, or something a little bit more chronic. Um, like abuse that people might face. These are all kind of avenues by which people start questioning their faith. And um, it's quite an interesting study. Uh, but, I mean, those are the three kind of main yep. m- main categories yep. that we're considering. Uh,
0: so let's go on to our topic for tonight. So this is really looking at one of those categories, which is about the social <laughs> norms and moral norms. And I guess it's this idea of um, sexuality, And homosexuality that we've that we're going to focus on today, and the real key thing about today's show, so in in all the shows, is we're not really going to talk about the rights and wrongs of that topic, but I guess how the how the issues arising from that topic can lead to um, a conflict within one's faith. Um, But we'll we'll perhaps spend a bit of time just contextualizing it a little bit. So, Sheikh, I mean, I I mean, from my perspective, in terms when I think about this topic over the years and I'm thinking you know we're thinking of case studies or examples there's like two or three that come to my. one is um people that are very publicly say you know like on the one ex- extreme I guess you could say in terms of they say look I'm a homosexual I'm very proud to be a homosexual and I'm also very proud to be a Muslim and uh it's okay to ha- to be both and God loves me for what that perspective um, and some of that is very much, you see that in celeb, you know, more in the you know public eye as well. On the other extreme, you know, I remember at university, there were some people, you know, that were known, you know, in the local area um, to, be, to be gay, for example. And people would ridicule them when they're, you know, walking down the street. It was known in the whole area, you know, they used to shout across the street, you know, all derogatory words. Um, and they were Muslims or Pakistanis and Asians, etc., So, um, these are some of the examples that I I can think of and I guess, other cases where, you know, people feel very firm in terms of their faith, but also um, feel that they are uh, homosexual and gay and have have these sort of uh, feelings about their sexuality. So, in terms of just, uh, you know, we'll be going to a break shortly, but setting the scene in terms of where Islam is, and then I guess after the break we'll come back and talk about, you know, explore some of these issues in more depth, but where does this fit within the Islamic context as Muslims, etc., in terms of from um, a faith-based angle?
2: I think, um, <clears throat> uh, like you said, that there's there's extremes uh, on both sides. Uh, people who treat it as if it's some sort of disease, and we should like stay away from these people. Um, other people that like you said who are just completely, absolutely fine, and not not only that, they will try to argue from texts. Um, that Islam permits it. And there are, you get, you know, you get in the news and stuff, you get some imam somewhere. Um, we don't know the qualifications, but uh, supposedly saying it's okay. So I think that's where your, your kind of um, range is. In terms of the traditional kind of um, mainstream position, um, is that there's you have to frame this um, properly. So there's different stages. One is having feelings um, or having um, thoughts. So we're not held accountable for our feelings or thoughts. Um, you could have all sorts of feelings or thoughts, um, but what we're held accountable for is action, acting on those feelings or thoughts. Mm-hmm. So we're so it's not about if a person feels that that's that's how I am. Uh, whether you want to get into the discussion of whether you're born like that or if it's environmental and um, that's another discussion. Um, but um, irrespective of where that feelings come from, if the person says, look, this is how I feel, uh, th- there shouldn't really be a conflict for that person because as long as they're not acting upon those feelings, then there's, there's, no, there's no issue here. The second issue happens where they act upon it. Um, now, acting upon it, if it's in a private sphere, then that's basically between. It's a. It's a, from our perspective, it's a sin, but it's between them and God. It's like lots of other things, like um, people Muslims drink. Um, so I deal with affairs all the time. So people fornicate. People have a, um, or if they're married, um, it's uh, adultery. So there's a range of sins that people engage in. Um, taking drugs or whatever it is. So these are all kind of major sins that people are engaged in. But yet, when we talk about, say, a fornicator or some say we, say we know a fornicator, we don't treat them any differently. We don't stop them from coming to the mosque. We don't um, refuse to shake hands as if there's a contagious disease or something. We don't refuse to sit with them at, at, if they're at a wedding or something. We deal with them um, amicably. It doesn't mean that that you're agreeing with their action or you condone it in any way, but it's just that that's that person's issue. That's between him and God, um, unless you're obviously involved in it, but that's it's none of my business, really. Um, I should... I mean, our tradition's all about focusing on your own defaults and not other people's, and in fact, covering other people's faults. So what you're talking about, like shouting at people, and I mean, you wouldn't shout at other people, so why... I, I don't understand why we... Um, single out homosexuality or sexuality issues uh, over and above other things that are going on in our community do we do we have a drugs problem in our community definitely right do we have um other issues in our community which are are are, are not permissible of course it's going on all the time yet we don't make uh, make a big deal of them um so I think the same thing with uh, homosexuality if if the person's not acting upon it there's no there's nothing there. there's no sin nothing um and if they're acting upon it it's like somebody fornicating but in their own private sphere that's between them and god the only time the sharia gets concerned is or like um like uh, um when there's outward manifestations of these sins so people who outwardly drink go out into society openly do these things because then what happens is that encourages other people encourages um Sin to spread So the only time that that becomes an issue Is where that becomes an open Manifestation So that's the that's the kind of different levels You could say So it's not all the same Can't just say well all homosexuals are condemned They're not um So th- that's one thing And also I said like I said It should not be treated We shouldn't single it out In some way um That, that we would treat these people differently From say another type of sinner So There's lots of people, lots of Muslims who are not perfect. Um, None of us are perfect. We all have some element of sin in our lives um, to a a larger or lesser extent. This is where we have repentance, we have tawbah, and we we do good actions to wipe out our bad actions and so on and so on. So somebody who's in that situation, even if they're involved in sin, um, they're still Muslim, they still believe in God, they still believe in the the texts. Um, They can still be a Muslim, uh, but be a sinful Muslim. I mean, it's not a good state to be in. But like I said, I know I can give you loads of examples of sinful Muslims, um, and that's you know something that that's between them and God, and they have to rectify. And we leave that between them and Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala.
0: We're spending a bit of time talking about the premise of these shows, which will be every week, um, and this idea that there's many issues facing. Muslims in terms of causing them to doubt their faith and leaving their faith as well. And one of the ones we're talking about this week is this whole idea of sexuality and uh, in particular homosexuality. Um, and Sheikh, there's various different statistics about in wider society that, um, for example, how, how how much of it, you know, how prevalent... This is, and so there's the Office for National Statistics says maybe about 1.5% are either gay, lesbian or bisexual. And um, another report in, by Kinsey says it's closer to 10%. Um, and I guess the, the Muslim community is not immune to these wider trends as well. But if we take, I'd like to expand a little bit. So you talked a bit about, before the break, the three different categories almost where um, people can fit in to help think about this issue so this idea where sometimes people think maybe this these acts take them outside this islam in terms of they're not muslims and you kind of clarified that a little bit are the examples from the prophet's time peace be upon him or we know obviously the, the stories of hazrat lut etc so where does that fit into cuz you know this high, how how have we almost throughout throughout the centuries in history the examples of how you know people have approached this uh, whole idea of homosexuality, because um, because it, it is, as you said, it's not a new issue, it's uh, not a new thing.
2: No, it's not. Uh, like you said, wa um, Taala talks about this in in uh, in relation to the Prophet Lut, um, and it was not ex- it was it was impermissible, it was not acceptable, which means it was happening, and it's not that. Um, Uh, this is just something that has happened now. It's all of a sudden come to the fore and it's never been there before. No, I think historically it has been there. Um, But it's always been viewed as um, a sin. Um, So, I mean, alcohol is impermissible, but has alcohol been there throughout Islamic history? Yes, there are people who have been... I mean, when we know of of people who were um, sometimes in high positions in Islamic society that were drinking. So... Um, these, I mean, the fact is that there's a there's, a, there's a, a person at the time of the Prophet Sallam, who was uh, uh he kept drinking and he would get punished and he would kept drinking and get punished, get put, getting punished. And, and I remember the Sahaba reading about the Sahaba were, were cursing him. Because um, obviously, somebody that's engaged in sin, the prophet has just told you not to do it. You keep doing it, and uh, when they try to when they try to call this, it comes back to your, your thing of name calling and, and um, making people feel uncomfortable. Um, the prophet said, don't don't curse him, because he loves Allah and he loves his Rasul, right? Um, so in other words, look, um, you, you know, don't allow the Shaitan to, to to draw a wedge between you and your your brother. So he didn't. He didn't. He didn't say, "Look, this guy's a gaffer or whatever." He just said, "Look, um, he's a human being. He's got a weakness. Uh, you know, it's a sin. That's um, between him and Allah Subhanahu wa Taala. Maybe, he, maybe he'll repent. Maybe he'll change his ways. But don't curse him, right? Don't curse him. So we don't curse people. This is not our tr- uh, tradition. Um, it's something, unfortunately, I see a lot. Between Muslims, that they do tend to do this when it comes to even political things. They'll curse like leaders and this and that. This is not our um, we. The Prophet Islam didn't curse curse people. We, we don't use obscene language. Um, we um, we know our where we stand on things. We don't compromise. We say, look, this is what we believe. We're not going to change. I'm not going to change the religion to make you feel better. Uh, but um, you're still my brother. Um, I still love you for the sake of Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala. I still want the best for you, you know, love for your brother, where you love for yourself, so on. All those things still apply, um, but this particular aspect of your life, I can't agree with. But I'm not going to make it a bigger issue than than it should be. But Sheikh, I mean, we see other religions
0: have changed their stance on mm-hmm. this issue, particularly within Christianity, you know, and acceptance of that. I mean, we would, could some people argue why is Islam? Not, or is it a matter of time until Muslims and Islam also changes this attitude like these other religions have?
2: Yeah, and I think you have to then think of what has the impact been on those religions by, um, by just going with the flow, uh, by just going with whatever society is saying is okay. Has that um, been beneficial for them or not? Has it actually increased their adherence? Um, has it actually made people stronger, Christians or not? Do you understand? So, um, yeah, that's an easy thing to do, is just go with the flow and just change everything as you feel like it. But um, we're people of methodology, we're people of, um, you know, um, um, we have structures, uh, how, we, how we frame things. There are certain things, the certain boundaries that we have. Um, depending on the tech kind of text we've got There's a degree of flexibility But we don't change things So if, for example in the month of Ramadan right? Um, Muslims have been fasting Ramadan From the beginning of the uh, advent of Islam until now It's still the same um, We did the same Quran It's still in the Arabic language if, you've, if you compare that to other religions We're not the only nation that fasted Christians used to fast, Jews used to fast In fact, different opinions of, of that verse الَّذِينَ آمَنُوا عَلَيْكُمُ kama كَمَا عَلَى الَّذِينَ مِنْ قَبْلِكُمْ لَعَلَكُمْ That you who believe, fasting has been prescribed for you as it was prescribed for people before you, right? And then the, if you look at the tafsir, it says that Christians and Jews used to fast. Some opinions were they used to fast Ramadan like us. Others said that they used to fast, uh, but it wasn't the same as us. But then what happened was, um, they, they fasted like us in terms of not eating and drinking. And then what happened over time, they changed it right so this idea of changing things is has been in other religions um more than ours uh, and 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 that's that's the reason why we can have full faith and say this quran that we have in front of us is the same quran which is revealed to the prophet We're the way we're practicing the way we're praying right now the way we're fasting right now is exactly the way that we were taught Um, Other religions don't have that. Um, What they had in the beginning and what they have now is very, very different. So I'm not surprised that they will just keep um, changing things. Um, But um, it's not about us looking at other people and saying we should follow other people. It's about us looking at what is right and wrong. And if what what is right, we stick to it.
1: I guess, you know, one aspect is that because Islam is kept true to its tradition in that, in that regard when compared to other faiths like Christianity, doesn't that lead to like a larger force pushing against Muslims that might have these thoughts? You know, this idea that this society accepts me for who I am, whereas <clears throat> Islam doesn't. You know, there's this idea of sin associated with homosexuality. How would somebody going through that kind of get through that?
2: Yeah, I mean, and this is where the conflict, I guess, uh, there is for people because you're living in an environment where everyone's saying it's it's fine, it's not a problem. If you go accept counsel so that's fine. Embrace your embrace your sexuality. If that makes you feel good, then go with it. Um, and that's I mean, that's nothing that we don't have control over. That,
1: mm-hmm.
2: but what we have control over is our our faith and how we want to practice it. And we say, look, this is the faith, irrespective of of whether. Um, i can uh, you know, in i'm fully adhering to it or you're fully adhering i mean one question question i get all, often by non-muslims is oh well you you guys don't drink yeah we don't drink oh but i know this guy muhammad he drinks i know this guy he 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 goes out with mm-hmm. um he, he has girlfriends and stuff i know this guy he eats pork i know this guy so the thing is what you have to say is well that's What the religion is one thing, and what Muslims do is a complete different thing. And I, and I, I have to explain to them that look, people adhere to it in different ways. Not everyone wears a hijab. Right, mm. it's an obligation. Not everyone prays five times a day. That's an obligation. So, does that mean that we should say, "Well, because hijab is difficult, we should do it with hijab"? Because prayers are difficult, we should just make it easy—do do two instead of, of of five. Ramadan's a bit long now. Why don't we just kind of say, "Okay, you can drink, you know, but you can't eat." You know, we not we don't do that. We we don't compromise. We say, "Look, no, this is a faith," um, and uh, we we try our best to to adhere to it. We try our best to. Um, live up to it. If we fall short, then that's do we ask uh, forgiveness from mm. God? But it's not. It's not um, a fatalistic thing. We're not people of despair. We don't despair just because we've fallen into sin. Um, sin is a natural thing that will occur. Um, only prophets were were protected from from sinning. Everybody else is going to fall into some type of sin uh, at some level. Obviously, we have minor sins. We have major sins. Some sins are, are worse than others, but. Um, no one's, no one's perfect. And we don't have this idea of despair that because I'm in this particular sin, that's it. Uh, I'm, uh, you know, I've got no hope in Allah's mercy. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says this, one of my favorite verses. Oh, you, uh, you uh, my slaves who have transgressed against themselves in terms of sinning, mm. do not despair in the mercy of God. Allah can forgive whatever he wants. So we don't fall into despair hmm. at all. And we have hadith, like the, the, the hadith many people know about the 90, the guy who killed 99 people. Now if somebody can kill, he ends up killing 100. So if somebody can kill 100 people and still um, find uh, uh, Allah's mercy, then... I don't think there's many people that have killed a 100 out there or even killed one person. So if there's hope for people like that, then there's always hope. Or the the hadith about the prostitute who gave water to the dog. And Allah loved that action and Mm -hmm. forgave her. So just because someone's having this conflict, um, they know that it's sinful to act upon it. Even if they end up acting upon it, okay, it's a sin, right? But you're still a Muslim. You're still a creation of God. You still have a connection with God. Um, it's not the end, you know. It's not the end. Don't make it bigger than what it is, and at the same time, don't just say it's okay as well. So we, we can't we can't say it's fine because that's not my domain. I'm not here to, I don't have the power to to change a sharia to make somebody feel better. But what I can can say to them is look frame it properly. Yes, it's a sin. Other people are sinning as well. I know lots of people who are in in sins of fornication or adultery, and they're working. You know, with that. So the same thing. Yeah, you're in a simple situation. This is between you and God. Ask Allah subhanahu to make things easier. Try, try your best. Um, the struggle that you're going through, if you don't act upon it, it's a type of, it's a type of jihad. It's a type of struggle. You'll be rewarded immensely. Um, you're not the only person that's tested. Mm. Lots of people are tested in very different ways. Allah will test people in all sorts of ways. Some people, I mean, I mean, some people, they, uh, I know, I know a woman who, um, have divorced, uh, would like to get married, but can't get married or haven't found partners. Do we just say, well, they've got sexual needs, so they, it's, it's unfair, so they should just be able to, uh, exercise whatever they want to do. No, we have to say, Look, no, uh, um, uh, relations are going to be only permitted in marriage, and not out with marriage. So, you can't just, um, just because you feel sorry for somebody, you can't just say, Well, I'm going to just ex- relax the rules and just go and do what you do, whatever you want. So, that's they're not the only people that have these issues. Other people have them maybe in different ways, um, but we all have to struggle and try our best. She, sure, can I just.
0: Um Clarify a few things from, from some of the things you mentioned. One of them was a few years ago when this you know so called Islamic State ISIS was very much prominent in the news, there's this whole thing about how they would be throwing homosexuals off high, tall buildings. And I remember a discussion at that time was uh, somebody who had these sort of feelings of homosexuality said, Well actually look, if this is the way if this is the punishment for homosexuals, and I, you know, I'm I, I have these feelings as the way Allah's made me. Then there's clearly, you know, no place for me in this religion because I can't be accepted for who I am. Mm-hmm. And you've touched upon that latter bit, but this idea of punishment for. Um, homosexuals and stuff And we know all the deviant stuff from Islamic State so it's not really a model Of where we're, where we're at But that perpet—that was the idea of the perpetuity Can you clarify in terms of In the Sharia is there certain punishments For being homosexuals or Committing homosexuality
2: Yeah. So, so um, The first thing is like you said ISIS is not <laughs> <laughs> our, our go-to place to get our sharia. In fact, if you want to know where not to or what not to do, is just look at them and do the opposite. So that's the first thing. In terms of second thing is um, state-administered punishment is a complete different level. Uh, in our reality, um, we live in a, a non-Muslim country that we're never going to deal with what's called hudud punishments. Uh, that would only be for an Islamic State a proper one, uh, where the Sharia is, is implemented. And also it's up to the people in power to implement um, that if they feel that the conditions are appropriate for that. There's also a, a, a very important principle in those punishments, where any any uh, iota of doubt, you always avert the, the punishment. So, um, let's take another one. Um, say, it's, it's, uh, stealing, right? So, Um, We know that um, for a thief, the the hand gets cut off. There's lots of detail before that actually happens, right? There's lots of exceptions to it, and so I can't get into it. But what I'm saying is that, uh, for example, uh, Sayyidina Umar, Um, didn't apply that rule when there was a year of famine because he said, look, people are not stealing because of deviancy. They're they're stealing out of need, and therefore we can't implement this. So there's a lot of uh, things to discuss about that. In terms of homosexuality, there's no clear-cut punishment in terms of that all the the scholars agree on. What they did was they, they, they viewed it similar to fornication, so it was, it was, it was, the way that fornication would be punished for, uh, homosexuality was punished very similarly to it. Um, so it's viewed almost like, a uh, similar kind of sin. Um, th- and the reason why you have all these other ones mentioned is because the, the, they all differed. There's no, there was no clear text. So some said we should do it like there. Some said we should do this. Some should we should do that. So these are all opinions that have been mentioned, but there's no agreement over what exactly you're supposed to do however they viewed it on par with fornication so just like a heterosexual person would get punished for fornication uh, a homosexual person would get punished in the same way like i said if it was done out in the open if if it's a if it's done in open but if it's done in privacy where there's nobody else apart from the other person that they're doing it with then that's between them and god unless they bring it to the judge and say i do these things Right. The the, the 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 state's not going to get involved in private affairs. That's between that person and God. So what I would say is that the the it should be viewed very similarly to the way fornication would be viewed. So it's basically relations outside of the the only permissible way which is an in institutional marriage.
0: Okay. And another uh, issue Sheikh was um, perhaps related to this that you've just mentioned marriages in Islam we always you know, my understanding is that, you know, there's always Allah created us with these natural desires and you know lusts etc. And you know often a you know for everything there's a, like a halal outlet for that. So whether it's you know in particularly in terms of sexual desires as well. Part of the issue is obviously if if somebody has these sexual desires, we we talk about marriage as as an outlet for that or as, as one of the functions of marriage Is okay. to help uh, you know have a halal outcome for the, this sort of um, desire. Somebody that's homosexual, so, you know, I I know a number of situations can happen. So either they will say, look, I can't get married to somebody and so therefore I can never have an outlet for these desires and therefore I have to, you know, find other outlets. Or, you know, whether families are aware or not, they get them married or they they get married hoping that will either change them Mm. to not having these desires but then, you know, we know that all the problems that can arise from that and, you know, between the maybe, you know, if it's a homosexual um male and you know, all the issues that will arise for the female and vice versa in terms of them not being aware of these issues and then that all falls apart. So can you help us understand a little bit in terms of how we make sense of that and how we deal with these situations if, if they're listeners having these sort of thoughts, these struggles, so actually, how do I get a halal, uh, uh, you know, outlet for this? And should I get married or can't I get married? And, you know, I'm getting pressured to get married and uh, maybe that will change me. Maybe I'll, you know, things will be okay or inevitably is that going to ruin somebody else's life as well?
2: Yeah, I, I would say, look, um, for, for somebody uh, who, who has those tendencies and knows that they cannot fulfill the rights of the, the partner, they should not get into that relationship, they shouldn't get into a marriage. You're not allowed to oppress another person um, because of something that you're, you're dealing with. In fact, just let's take homosexuals to one side, some people should not get married, right, because, again, it's a general principle, if you feel that you're going to oppress your, uh, your partner, um then you're not supposed to get married either until you, you, you change your ways. And some people um it's only recommended for them to get married because they have no desire as it is. So you know, you do get even heterosexual people who have uh, no need to to, to to get married or remarried. Um so that's the first thing. Second thing is so I would I wouldn't advise them to, to get married. I think um I mean there's been been cases where there's marriages of convenience so like a uh, like a gay guy will, will find like uh, a lesbian Muslimah and they'll get married, you know, just for the family's sake. But then they, they, agree like not to have any relations and stuff. I don't agree with that either. I don't think we should pretend, uh, and, and, and make up something which really is not really workable. Um, they should just say, look, I, I'm just not, I'm just not inclined to marriage. We, we have, have people in our history who never got married. Him, know we get never got married. Uh, Ibn Taymiyah never got married. There's a number of, prominent people who never got married uh, women as well, so it's uh, it's not the norm, but there are people who just don't get married, they have no need to get married, so they just, you don't have to say I'm homosexual, just say that I don't have any need to get married. Second thing is in terms of the outlet um, like I said, there might be people who are heterosexual and they haven't had the chance to get married and they're getting old we can't just allow fornication for them, so it's the same, thing, same way we wouldn't allow it for anyone else if it gets to a stage where they feel that they're going to fall into sin in terms of fornication, at that point masturbation becomes permissible. So um, there is a possible outlet um, via that mechanism when there's a, a need for it.
1: We were talking about homosexuality uh, and uh, in the studio we've got Aman and uh, Sheikh Hamar who's helpfully come along to discuss this quite important issue. So just before the break we were talking about This idea of, you know, homosexual partners faking marriages or, like, you know, getting in marriages or convenience marriages and the like. And Sheikh Ahmed, you talked about some of the kind of potential solutions or avenues that they can go down or people that may have um, these tendencies to go down to prevent acting on their their feelings and thoughts. Um, Do you have any other... Indications or any other ideas of because it can be quite an isolating um, experience, I'm sure. Do you have any other insight from your role?
2: Um, I, I would say that, that um, I mean, the cases that I have dealt with in the past um, again, families don't know sometimes they're in shock, they don't know how to deal with it. Should I cut ties off? Do I engage? Do I not engage? Um, and and my advice has generally been look um, you should you should not cut your ties with that person. Um, like I said before, for me the way I look at it is that the person if they're acting upon it is in, is engaged in a sin. Just like if your son was on drugs or or had a girlfriend or something, you're not going to cut ties with, with that person. You just obviously you you tell them look what well, I disagree with what you're doing. And, um, but, but that's about it. You know, in terms of life, you get, you, know, you get on with life. And it, the person's an adult, they they have to take responsibility for their own actions. Um, in terms of, you said, like you said, it can be quite a lonely experience. Um, and, um, and I think where, I mean, if you're lonely, you then go and find company. And if the only people that accept you are, other people um, who have the same sexu- sexual tendencies, then you're, you're putting yourself in that uh, environment even more and more likely to, to, to do something which is not going to be acceptable. So um, that support mechanism around, around the person, especially the siblings, um, if you've got siblings, you shouldn't you know um, use derogatory terms. Don't put the person down. Don't keep reminding them of it. Just treat them like a normal person. Um, and look, I'm not saying that you have to accept what they're doing, but just like lots of things that that people do that we don't accept, we still go on with them. And if your neighbour's homosexual and says, "How how are you doing?" You're, going to, you're, you're not going to blank them. are You're going to say, "Yeah, how are you doing? It's fine." You know But you have a ch- you just talk to them normally that you talk to anybody else mm-hmm. the exact same way. So I think um, um, we have to be a bit more compassionate. Uh, if you think of the, the way the Prophet the was with sinners He was very compassionate um, He was very um, kind And I think that kindness, compassionate compassion Doesn't go away When it's uh, dealing with someone who's got sexuality issues um, So I would always give encouragement To siblings to be supportive Don't try and be negative Don't remind them of these things Don't push them further away from you Because if you push them further away They will go elsewhere um, For parents, I know it's a difficult thing mm-hmm. Um, I've had a few cases, but the same thing I've said: look, if you if you cut yourself off, um, then um, they may go into another type of life, even further away from 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 uh, you know, like practicing their faith. So it's better that they're still practicing some aspects, even though the one this one thing that we're not agreeing with. So I always say to parents: as hard as it might be for you to accept it. Um, the person's an adult, they have to make their own decisions in life, they're accountable before God. If you've done your job bringing them up, teaching them right from wrong up until the age of puberty. After the age of puberty, the person's and adult, they're responsible for their own prayers, their own fasting, all their own actions. And uh, all you can do is engage with them. But engage with them um, in, a, in a level-headed way. Don't get emotional, don't get angry, don't... Um, you know, make it into this, this huge, massive mountain. Because if the person says, look, I can't help it, then it's what you were talking about before. It just creates more of a conflict where they think that they, uh, you know, I'm, I'm I'm damned. I just can't, uh, I, I can't um, function anymore. And we, we know that sometimes people do get suicide, uh, suicidal thoughts. Mm. Um, and then it gets to a point where they just cut off and they just leave. Their community, or they leave their family and just go into uh, another world, and you won't never see them again. So that is that's obviously that's um, something that I don't think we should um, we should ever allow to happen.
1: Yeah, and in that case, that you know that inevitable aspect of if you have ostracised somebody uh, from their family, from their community. And they do, they do leave. You know, they go into this life. What, what is, what is, it, what can be done then, or is it a case of prevention is better than than trying to rectify? I think prevention
2: is better than than, than uh, obviously creating problems. So one of the things, obviously, we're trying to do today is to educate people that look, this is this is the right way to go about things. This is the wrong way to go about things. If the damage has already been done. It's like any, um, kind of issue where you've severed family ties with somebody or somebody that you've had a dispute for <clears throat> the last five, ten years. You have to just be the better person. You know, pick up the phone, send a person a text, meet up for a coffee, just chit chat. How's life? How you been getting on? Just, just pick up that relationship. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, accept the person the way they are. They might be engaged in things which you totally disagree with, but you have to look beyond that. We're people of dawah at the end of the day. We're not, we're not people that... Uh, we're not judges. You know, judgment is left to, to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Mm. We just call people. And um, our, our um, approach is always going to be one of uh, encouragement, of positivity. Uh, I think there's far too much negativity. And you know yourself, anyone who's negative with you, you just put off straight away. Nobody wants to hear it. So you have to basically... It's like, um, I remember... Um, the, the, one story of, uh, we were taught, one of our teachers are telling us, it's not completely related to this, but what happened was there was a gathering where, you know, the, the, there's a gathering of like, um, lessons and zikr and kind of, uh, you, what you'd quote unquote say is a pious gathering. And there's a man who came and uh, he was engaged in a number of sins. And so people kind of looked at him like, what are you doing here kind of thing, right? shouldn't you be in a pub or something, right? <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, so the, the sheikh saw this, that, that, that they made the man feel uncomfortable, right? So he, he he called the man forward and said, sit next to me. And he knew the man, and he knew that, okay, he's got, the guy's got 100 folks, right? But he's got this one good quality, and the one good quality he had was he used to, he was very generous. He used to donate a lot to good causes. And so whatever topic he was talking about that day, he changed the topic to sadaqah, and the virtues of sadaqa and the person does sadaqa is like beloved to God and this and that and all the reward. So this guy who's sitting there, who's got all these umpteen things wrong with him, the one thing that he was actually good at, the thing that he was doing good, you know, he felt encouraged by the Sheikh that, oh, okay, I've got, you know, I'm, I'm not that bad after all. I've got something I'm doing right. Or maybe I'm doing a hundred else things wrong, but at least there's one thing, you know, maybe that will be my door to salvation. So what happened was he started to, um, he left the gathering and then the the, the sheikh scold, scolded the people. He said, "Look, what's wrong with you people? Why were you looking at him? Who are you to Who are you to judge people? Who are you to look down at other people? You, you, you know, if you want to look down at anyone, look down at yourself. Don't look down mm-hmm. at anyone. That's not your domain. That's not your your purpose in life." And so obviously the guy liked the sheikh because he, what he was talking about. So he started coming regularly, and over a long period of time. The sheikh changed him, you know, mm-hmm. from all his bad habits, and, and basically moved him to the the person that he wanted him to be. So what I'm saying is that a bit of compassion, a bit of rahma, a bit of support, um, you know, telling the person when they're doing something good that AmashAllah, oh, you know, that's that's excellent. You know, you're involved in this charity work, that's brilliant. You know, just giving them encouragement, focusing on their good qualities mm-hmm. rather than always focusing on something that we have an issue with. The guy could have Ten good qualities and one negative thing, and what do we do? Is focus on the one negative thing and make the person feel bad, mm-hmm. you know? So, or you, what you can do is talk about the ten ne- the positive things, and then you can say, look, well, this one thing you still need to work on. That's a different, you know, it's a different result. So I think we need to. We're living in a time where, like we're seeing, in a godless society. Religion's under attack. There is an aggressive atheist movement. Uh, Islam gets. We, we don't get to get into Islamophobia and in the media. And I mean, it's just you, you know you're getting bombarded all the time, right? This is the time we're living in. People are struggling with their their faith, right? Um, we know that people are involved in all sorts of stuff which is not permissible. Um, but our approach to that is not to judge them. Our approach to that is to call them, right, and keep calling them to. To our our way, mm-hmm. right? Uh, Allah Subhanahu wa Taala says, "Call to the people, call to the way with wisdom, mm-hmm. right? So be wise. Don't uh, and also the Prophet said, wala Give people glad tidings. Don't, don't don't push them away. Don't don't don't, don't um, um, you know, Kind of um, palm them off. So in a time when religion is difficult, when when a time when and practicing your faith is becoming difficult. Then we have to we have to make things easy for people. We have mm-hmm. to be a bit more accommodating. Like I said, that doesn't mean that we change our religion. I can't change it, whether I live up to that or not. I have to say, well, this is what the Sharia says. Whether I am doing it or not is a different matter. That's that's my own weakness if I don't do it. But the Sharia is a Sharia. I'm going to try my best to try and be there. If I fall short, then you know Allah's uh, Allah's uh, Allah's mercy uh, is. Is uh, encompassing. He knows I'm living in a very difficult time. He knows the environment I'm living in. He knows all the challenges I have, right? And he knows how difficult it is for me to practice. And uh, and it's relative to to that, you know. So mm-hmm. somebody who just does the basics in our time might be like some great pious person of the past because it's a lot more difficult now.
0: Okay. So I guess shake what I'm hearing from what you're saying is that our whole attitude and our whole approach to this issue needs to change because it is a very emotive issue and it seems to be um, treated very different to other sins, you know. Um, and you say, I guess what I'm hearing is that you're saying that we need to be able to still see it for what it is and we need to take a more of a compassionate approach. Um, it's not to normalise and say that actually, you know, Islam is actually saying it's okay or encouraged, but it's actually understanding that, You know this is something that you know individuals will struggle with or or, or need to um, tackle like they would their other you know any other desire one of the issues that when people have this conflict in terms of you know is this acceptable not acceptable what should i be doing is what supports are there for them in our community so in glasgow for example or in scotland where do they go? I mean, you probably shouldn't answer this, but you know, I probably answer on you is you know, if you go to some imams, you know, I can imagine Abdul Wadud mm. the response, they would get chased That's out of thing. Yeah, yeah, you know, and not, not, you know, maybe it's changing, you know, with, with some of the imams but traditionally, even less emotive issues, people get treated pretty harshly, you know
1: yeah.
0: um, and if you bring a sensitive topic like this, you know I think they'll get beaten down with it really but so where, where are the supports where are where do they go where do they get some of these questions answered because um, because the issue you're thing is mm. they'll naturally try and find people that are also gone through that same journey but there's dangers
2: with that as well I think um, unfortunately like many other areas we are behind so this is just another area which we're we're behind in terms of what support we have for people. <laughs> Again, a lot of it's to do with um, how how are we keeping up with the, the fast pace that things are changing at? I don't think we are. It's not just this particular issue. There's many other issues that I've talked about in the past which we should be doing a lot more. We're not, uh, and we need to be doing more. Uh, so unfortunately, I would say the reality is that there's not much support. Maybe this is obviously something that we should be thinking about towards in the future. This is not going to go away is a growing community have this issue, how do we support them um, what mechanism do we have for them, what space do we have for them in the community all of these are, are, are very pertinent questions that need um, need answered um, unfortunately we are not there uh, uh, um, there at all but like I said it's not just that this issue, there's a um, hundred other issues that we're also um, well behind in and I think this is the, the thing that when there's so many gaps in terms of work that needs to be done, we need people to step up to it. We need people to say, right, okay, that's a, that's an interesting issue. Um, I, I really feel uh, motivated by that. Okay, there's nothing there. How can I help? How can I do something about it? Um, and this is one, one thing I've been thinking about for the last year or two, to be honest. I'm thinking about, okay, there's this area, there's this area, there's this area. I've got all these things in my mind. This needs to be done. This needs to be done. This needs to be, un- be done. Be But what we tend to do is just talk a lot, and turn and turn, rather than getting um, down to action. I think what we need to do is it's time now. I mean, we've been doing Ramadan for how many years? Twenty years? 21 years? 21, yeah. Twenty one years? Twenty one. Twenty years. Twenty years. A lot of these topics, although today alhamdulillah, is a is a relatively new topic that we've not done before. But I've talked about things repetitively over the years, mm-hmm. and, uh, and you start questioning yourself. You know, I've been talking about this for years. I'm still saying the same thing over and over again. I and mean, it has to get to a point where you say, right, it's time for the next step. This issue, we cannot we cannot pretend it does not exist. It exists, okay, it's not going away. What do we do, what do we do about it? Do we just like completely leave it and just say, right, I'm not gonna touch it at all, it's not my problem, I'm gonna go, go and focus on something else? Or do we say, well, okay, we need to try and do something. I was in a mosque, That's a couple of years ago, I was after um, Jummah prayers. And um, so brother knew me. And this happens quite often, actually. So I'm, I'm <laughs> just trying to have a bit of quiet time <laughs> reading, sort of gaffing it. And I'm trying to enjoy my Jummah. And um person sits next to me, and, and obviously they want to talk to me. So he said, as salam." he goes, I've got an issue. I said, yeah, go on, what is it? And he was basically saying one of his relatives um Again, uh, I think he was married. He was married, but he, was, he had homosexual tendencies. And he said, "Look, you know, what advice can you give? What should I do? How how to do approach it? And people are in shock. They don't know what the right approach is. Do I go this way? Do I go that way? What I mean, what, what am I supposed to do here?" And he actually said to me, "He goes. Um, he, he started talking about that. Um, you know, there's a whole community out there uh, of people like this." And um, he goes, we have no, we just, we don't, we have no idea about it. Most people don't have any idea about it because it totally exists, and there's a whole community, and they talk to each other, and this whole discussion is going on. And, and that was, just like, that was a few years ago, and he said, look, really, we need to th- start thinking about this is a section of our community that we need to think about. I mean, last year we talked about say, single parents yeah. because that is another growing part of our community. It's not going away. It's there. It wasn't there maybe in the past, Is there now. So what mechanisms can we put in place? How can we support that part of our community? And for me, this is just another section of our community that um, needs needs hmm. support. Uh, and sometimes, to be honest, just just being nice to people, um, you'd be amazed the, the impact has because they're so used to getting negativity from their families or the community um, and just just being that person of compassion can have a big impact on people. So just 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 simple things. It doesn't have to be that complicated even. And just somebody to to listen to them and say, look, I I understand, you know, um, and I empathise with you. And this is a this is a great struggle that you're going through. And this is something that you know you you're, it's your challenge. Another person is Somebody's passed away or something. I don't know. It's, they've got some other issue they're dealing with. But this is this is how God's testing you, and this is what you know I can do for you. And this is what you know. And this is why I say to people look, I'm here. I'm here to. If you want to speak to me, if you want to bounce things off me, um, if you want any advice, guidance, all that kind of stuff, I'm I'm here. I'll give you my time, and just that simple thing I think um is 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 extremely appreciated. And um, that, uh, obviously, I'm a scholar, so um, what I say is, is linked to, to, to the faith. So seeing that, they say, well, okay, there is, this, there is this compassion compassionate window of Islam that I've never seen before. All I've ever seen is the, 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 mm-hmm. the door slammed in my face. Before, and I thought that was religion, that like you were saying before, uh, that the, if they're looking at ISIS and punishment and think, well, if that's, if that's what... That's what the, the punishment is. I have those feelings. That means there's no space for me, and that that means I can't. I'm not part of this religion. And it, the 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 worst thing that can happen is a person leaves. So I think that's you always got to understand that that is the worst thing. It is much better to be a believer and be sinful than to be uh, to 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 not be a believer in the first place.
1: I think that's definitely a key takeaway, right? This idea of not making that their defining characteristic, Mm. seeing them beyond just, you know, this is a homosexual person, and seeing them as this a believer, they're going through their trials and tribulations as well, just like I go through trials and tribulations, and relegate that to that's just one aspect of them, not their defining trait. What do you think, Amon?
0: Absolutely, and I think that seems to be what... What happens isn't it in mm. terms of you know they get known as that is everything about them, Yeah. and I think that's you know I think it's important that we try and reframe that a little bit because I think the key thing from what you you know what I was taking from what you just said shake is that you know ultimately the faith in God is the thing that trumps everything isn't mm-hmm. it, and so as soon as anything that shakes that actually on the on the, uh, on the scale of you know sins you know or difficulties you know. It, the, the worst thing that can happen is they lose the faith in God. Because I guess if you have that faith in God, there's always a route back, there's always a, a, an avenue to repent, but also uh, allows yourself to seek that forgiveness. And inshallah, yeah, and any then, any yeah. difficulties you have, inshallah, you get rewarded in the afterlife as yeah, well. And then
2: it? also, that, that idea of the, that Allah is going to judge me at the end of the day. Yeah. You know, God's going to judge me. He knows what I, I'm doing. He may forgive me, he may not forgive me. That's between me and my Lord. Uh, and a lot of the, the, the issues that people go through, the difficulties, they the come up with it, look, um, I've got an alcohol problem, I've got this problem, I've got that problem, I've got a problem with pornography, which is another, uh, growing issue. Um, and it's that kind of thing, look, this is, this is your struggle. This is what you need to, to, to work through. But end of the day, look, don't allow other people to judge you, mm-hmm. right? We're the creation, we're not the creator. Um, we are, are given you know, tasks to do and we get on with it to the best of our abilities. What Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will do with us in the hereafter, only Allah knows. So end of the day, you know, your relationship with your Lord should be a, a, a intimate relationship. Um, it should be, He is ultimately the one who you're answerable to, you're accountable to. Um, we know that He's infinitely merciful. Um, for example, there's hadith about that um, Allah Subhanahu wa Taala has got hundred mercies, and only one mercy is put on the earth, which by, by which uh, people show compassion to each other, animals go show compassion, and so on. And He's kept ninety-nine compa- uh, mercies for Himself on the Day of Judgment. They showed compassion to His uh, creation. So that idea of of um, uh, Allah Subhanahu wa Taala, and this is where like maybe something like ninety-nine names of God, like looking at you know studying those names, looking at those names. The generous, the the one who benefits, the one who harms, Get, building that relationship between you and God. This is what um, ultimately is um, is the most important thing. Over and above everything else that happens in life, it's about me and my my Creator. Um, and I, one of the things I would recommend is people to to just talk to God, just like the way you talk to another person like a night time, whatever time it is, just speak to Allah Subh'anaHu Wa Ta-A'la. If you're going through a difficult time, just say to Allah. Well, this, this is applied to everybody, not just people with these issues, people with general issues. If you're having a difficult time, just talk to God. Just say, Ya Allah, you know, you see, you know what's happening, you know what's in my heart. Um, I ask you for guidance, I ask you for patience, you know, all of these things, talk to Him and just get in the habit of, of, of talking to Allah Subh'anaHu Wa Ta-A'la. Of just making, just opening your heart, just almost like counselling. What it was counselling? You basically open up yourself to another person. You let them know what exactly you're feeling. The some things that you won't tell other people. Well, that's a human being. Whereas Allah Subhanahu wa Taala, the one who created you, who knows everything about you. That's the one that you just want to pour your heart out. Um, and ultimately, Allah Subhanahu wa Taala, if a person is sincere, I am completely one hundred percent convinced. If a person is sincere, there is no way Allah will leave you in in, in the dark. They will, all, Allah will always guide you.
0: khair so. I think it's a very positive and very humbling uh, note to end on, Abdul, In terms of his yeah, hope and, and Allah's mercy and Allah's forgiveness, and that we all struggle with difficulties and challenges, and you know, we just need to, you know, keep this all in. In context and deal with it In terms of people will have their own challenges And difficulties that, that they're going through um, But that door to Allah is, is always there And that bond is important mm-hmm. Sheikh I assume um, uh, Thank you so much for your time I assume people can contact you through Unity Family Services um, I know yes, Does this fall can, yeah. within that sort of yeah, sphere? Yeah, or yeah,
2: I've, I, yeah I've, I've dealt with people okay. With sexuality issues So yeah. they want to contact me I'm, I have no problem. They can make an appointment, and um, we can I can speak to them. Sure. So
0: that's through UnityFamily.co.uk. But Zackal Khair, so much for your time, Sheikh. I really appreciate it. I hope it will be, uh, I'm sure it will be beneficial for a lot of the community and help us for people that are going through these issues and and these uh, this angst within themselves, but also for families and friends and the community to support them. And I guess one of the big messages of the Wadood is, as a community, we need to start working at mechanisms to help people and be there for them. Um, And and perhaps that's something that...
1: And I think it becomes about educating the community on how to approach people that have homosexual tendencies and how you interact with them. And it's all about, it comes back to, you know, going full circle with what Sheikh was mentioning with regards to i for schools and how education becomes a way that we not combat these things, but, you know, deal with these things.
0: Okay. Mm. so i think our time is up um so if you've got any comments or feedback please just through the usual mechanisms of through the radio ramadan website and our facebook page as well um but we really hope you've benefited uh, from some of our discussion today next week there'll be another topic um that will be quite different but n- another thing is that maybe is an issue that will cause people or lead people to doubt their faith and maybe leaving the faith but and before we move on with this week's show, we just wanted... We had some correspondence and some questions following last week's show that we felt it was important to try and address in a very frank manner. Um, so Abdul Wadud, maybe you can share a bit of uh, some of the feedback that we had and Sheikh Amr can maybe um, elaborate on some of the points raised.
1: Yeah, I think we had really quite positive uh, feedback. Uh, we've got a couple of questions through actually uh, one in specific, Sheikh. As-salamu, alaykum.
2: As-salamu alaykum. Uh,
1: So this came in just after the show. Uh... A Muslim woman was asking me about a lesbian Muslim who wants to get married She was saying Islam quite clearly rejects sodomy But there's no mention of other sexual practices that lesbian and some gay men practice mm-hmm. She understands premarital sex is not permitted <coughs> So to legitimize the relationship She asked why the women in question can't get married to another woman Where does it stipulate marriage is only between a man and a woman?
2: Okay, alhamdulillah, wa ala Rasulullah. Um, I think it's probably beneficial if we uh, take a look at the the verses which uh, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala actually talks about the people of Lut, alayhi salam because um, there was specific punishment mentioned in the Quran for their actions and their action was sodomy. Um, so if you look at the first verse which is chapter 7 uh, verse 80 to 81 innakum rijala min dunin nisa. Uh, and uh, the translation I'll use is Muhammad Asad's, very least with lust you approach men instead of women. So it's quite clear, shahwa means desire, um, that you're choosing your own sex over the opposite. Uh, but you are people who give, given to excess. So that's the first one. So again, it's quite explicitly says that they um, went to men, and uh, sexual desire instead of women okay mm-hmm. now the the, the taseer, um describes this as uh, as the act of sodomy um, and then if you go to um, chapter 11 verse 78 it says mm-hmm. and this is quite interesting because he says uh, Lot says to uh, his people that are engaged in this he says o my people Take these daughters of mine; they are purer for you, and Muhammad has in brackets than men. Again, um, alluding that you cannot have intimacy with your own sex; it's with the opposite. Now, my daughters here—there's two opinions. One is that it's his own daughters, or the females of the village. She's basically saying, you don't have to—you don't have to um, do this act with other men. There's, there's, there's women here. And that's who what the natural order is. That Allah Subhanahu wa Taala has made. So, again, um, the question really you'd, you'd ask yourself here is, if um, if it was okay just to have like the questioner saying uh, to have a marriage without the act of sodomy if we're saying it's only sodomy it's haram that's what she's alluding to mm. that only sodomy is haram everything else should be fine as long as it's within marriage so the next question would be when because they they go on and they say that we don't have any need in your your uh, your daughters you know what we want right we want basically men so why didn't he at that point say okay well why don't you just um, marry your own sex but just don't have sodomy if it was legitimate. He would have given that as an option, but that option is not given at all. Um And then the next verse, 26, twenty six, one six five, "Atatuna zukrana min al-'ala'in alamin Must you of all people uh trust lustfully approach men? And this ma khalaqa lakum." This is quite interesting. "Watazuruna ma khalaqa lakum, Rabbukum min azwajikum." Uh, keep and keeping yourselves aloof from all the lawful spouses from who, whom your sustainer has created for you now if you look at arabic Subhanahu wa Taala has created for you مِنْ أَزْوَاجِكُمْ from your spouses right so this is very clear that he's that uh, he's saying that allah has created for you spouses from the opposite sex cuz he's saying that you're going to men why are you going to men when allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has created spouses for you or peers for you from the opposite sex But you are people who are transgressing all bounds of what is right. So it's quite clear again that the word azwaj, or the word we have zwaj, which is marriage. Zawj is a pair. Azwaj, which is the the word which is used in the Quran over and over again, which talks about spouses. It's always um, alluding to between a male and a female. It's never in any um text has it ever been mentioned that the zouj appear means the, the same thing um in terms of like humans uh, then twenty nine twenty nine says uh, must you indeed approach men with lust and thus cut across the way of nature uh, and know there's a bit of uh, um The discussion on what that means to cut the the way One interpretation is obviously to cut off um, uh, procreation Because if you're with your own sex You're never going to procreate The human race is going to cease to exist So in terms of looking at the light of those verses um, What we can say is that there's ijma, this consensus Which is the third source of Sharia law uh, For people that don't know uh, That Azwaj, the word Azwaj means a woman and a man and therefore, nikah is, is restricted to that. Um, secondly, the thing about sodomy, uh, the punishment for sodomy is higher. So if, if two people of the same sex are, or just even somebody who's, say, going out with someone and they're kissing and they're doing other things, that's still sinful, but the sin is not the same as level as fornication. And same thing for two people of the same sex. Their sin would not be the same as the act of, of sodomy. Um, and this is where it's interesting because for lesbians um, because there's it's not the same as two men there's mm-hmm. not going to be this the penetration uh anal sex is not is not going to be possible therefore the the scholars they didn't have a clear um uh they didn't have a clear like punishment like they did for like us say uh, sodomy because sodomy is mentioned in the Quran uh specifically but what they did say that it was still um punishable but the the state would then um, det- you know, determine what that punishment would be, um, because just from the virtue of that anal sex is not um, going to be possible. Mm-hmm. And again, if we're if if if, if people are are uh, arguing that this has always been there, it's always been part, if, it's, if it's part of nature, it's part of history, it's it's been as natural, etc., etc. Then this would have been throughout if history. Whereas it's interesting that um, uh, Lut, alayhi Salam, first of all, says that you're doing something that no one has ever done before right so uh, although the scholars what they say and the, and the tafsirs they say that um to do it at that level was not done before it was maybe it happened before odd cases here and there but it wasn't done on like a society level right um so that's interesting because it's always been in the background now it's starting um, to, 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 the be come yeah. to come to the foreground the second thing is like i said that um uh, Lut al Islam doesn't give an option. Doesn't say, well, okay, uh, it's permissible if you just do it without sodomy and it's within a loving relationship between two people, two men or two women. And interestingly, the same thing. If we're saying that it's always been happening, each prophet would have addressed it. And if it was, mm-hmm. if, it was if it was occurring in every uh, nation and generation, the Prophet Sallam would have also has said, okay, marriages between men, and women. However, if there are people here. In our community who want to do it with their own sex You can do it but you, this is the punishment If you do sodomy So if you don't do sodomy and, and if you just want to have intimacy within a marriage Then it's fine But again, no mention There's no there's no legislation for it at all um, And if you look at all the texts we have None promote same-sex uh, intimacy in any way In fact, it's the opposite I'll give you one example from Muslim It says a man should not look at the aura Which is the nakedness of another man uh, nor a woman of another woman mm-hmm. Nor should a man go under one cloth with another man Nor a woman with another woman So there's explicit texts To say that intimacy between uh, people of the own sex Is not permissible
1: okay, exactly.